Good morning, church. Please uh, stand up for the reading of the word. And open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 24, verses 10 to 27. Genesis chapter 24, verses 10 to 27. Genesis 24, 10, 27. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a wall of water at the time of the evening, even time and that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let him come to pass, that the damsel who, to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy Camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And he went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, She said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord hath made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half of shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold, and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she, she bore unto Nahor. She said, Moreover unto him, We have both straw and provender enough and, and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God, for my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. The book of Genesis, chapter 24. This morning you're going to see on the slides a number of pictures that feature different members of our church on different ministries, outreaches, mission, missionary trips. This is a picture of when we were in southern Palawan. We had a wonderful opportunity to go into a public school there and just preach Christ in a public school in the Philippines. It's kind of amazing. We went to Russia one year, and we, we spent a whole week in, a, in an orphanage, a state-run orphanage sharing the gospel with all the... They just gave us full run to share the gospel all week. 
And you know, we think we're a free country, but we did something in Russia that you can't do in America. We think we're a free country. We did something in the Philippines you can't do in America, and that's go into the public setting and preach. Isn't that something? Well, the reason I'm featuring, God put this on my heart to just feature different ministries and outreaches. That's Christy, by the way, in the teaching the children. Is because we have some beautiful people in our church that are great examples to me, who are, inspire me, who make me so thankful to be your pastor. And all of you do in different ways. But the reason I'm doing it is, is because I'm going to preach this message today on bringing souls to Jesus. And I believe as I have this heart, many of us have this heart here. And that's why I'm sharing pictures to express that I know I'm not alone. So let's begin in Genesis chapter 24. I'm just going to read one verse as we pray today and get into the message. Bringing souls to Jesus. Genesis 24 verse 27, just one verse. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me in the house of my master's brethren. Let's pray. So dear God, once again awaken our attention to the power of Your voice. Wake us up, O God, so that we can hear You speak through our often cold and careless and sleeping hearts. Wake us up, Lord. If there is any Jonah here called to proclaim the message of salvation and even coming judgment, if there is a Jonah here today running from You and asleep, even while a storm is raging, and Lord, a storm is raging in our nation today, wake us up to do this vital business of bringing souls to Jesus. Eternity is at stake. And maybe there will be some here today who've never much thought on this. Wake us up. Stir us up. Fill us up with Your power today that we will bring many souls to You, Lord Jesus Christ, for You are a worthy bridegroom. And there are many out there who need You today. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, Genesis 24, longest chapter in the book of Genesis. Very simple theme, though, of this chapter. Basically, the theme is simply, Abraham sends out his servant to do a mission impossible. Really, it is a mission impossible. And he sends him out with ten of his camels loaded with his goods to meet and find a woman he had never seen. And then to bring this woman back to marry Isaac, even though she had never seen Isaac. Now, what's the chance that you're going to do that? You want me to go halfway around the world, a 500-mile journey, find a woman I've never met, and then convince her to come back and marry a guy she's never even said hello to. She didn't even see him on Facebook, man. I mean, nothing. That's his mission impossible. And in a sense, we have a mission impossible too. To go into all the world and make disciples of every creature. Preach the Gospel to every creature. That is your job. It isn't the pastor's job. It's, your, it's all of us. It's the church to do it. And we have not done it well. <laughs> but this is our job still. And it's not going to change until Jesus comes. So in this absolutely true story of Abraham sending out his servant, I want us to see incredible lessons in it on just as Abraham sent his servant to seek a bride, to seek a bride for his son, right? You with me? Seek a bride. And that bride, would, her name would be what? Rebecca. To bring Rebecca back to Isaac. Rebecca, a bride for Isaac. Do you see the picture? Isaac is the forefather of Jesus. Jesus is in Isaac's 
loins, if you will, spiritually speaking, because it's the seed of Isaac. The Messiah will come. And so our task is to go and search for souls and bring them to Jesus. And to me, it's parallels like this that make the Bible so amazing, unique, and miraculous. So let's see in this incredible story of Abraham sending out his servant, seeking a bride for Isaac, Lessons on how we can bring souls to Jesus to be a part of His bride. The first thing we see today, and we must be about our Father's business. Do you agree with me? We must be about our Father's business. To seek to bring souls to Jesus. Do you agree with that? The first thing is, go with your Master's riches. (laughs) Realize... Your riches that you go with. You don't go empty-handed. You go with the riches that this world will be amazed with if we do it the way God would have us to. Go with your Master's riches. Genesis 24, verse 10. It says in verse 10 of Genesis 24, the servant took ten camels of the camels of his Master and departed, for all the goods of the Master were in His hand. So I say, go with the goods and share Jesus' love and bring souls to Jesus. Show them the goods. Show your Master's riches to this world. Don't be embarrassed and don't be ashamed. We have incredible riches. The Bible speaks of the unsearchable riches of Christ. In His Word. We have the unsearchable riches of His grace. The manifold wisdom of the grace. God's favor. God's love. He says in verse 10, For all the goods of the Master were in His hand. Maybe one reason we don't tell people about Jesus is we've we've forgotten how rich He is. He's the... He's the one that people need. The riches of His wisdom. The riches of His power. The riches of His Word. The riches of His mercy. This Saturday we'll be doing a homeless ministry to bring the riches of Jesus Christ to those who are on the streets of our city. On 9-11... Praise God for over 40 or 50 people in our church. This is a picture of the many who shared the Gospel on the streets throughout throughout Ground Zero area to commemorate the 20th anniversary of 9-11. What a blessing that day was to share the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And, And praise the Lord, God had Jessica right there in the midst of that area that we could even use as a staging area, as, as Brother Tim kind of thought about that and worked it out. Wasn't that a blessing how God worked out that day? God works out things. Go with your Master's riches. We have the riches of His joy and of His peace. This picture of the Japanese missions trip we took a few years ago, we had a, a, a friend night and we sat around a table just playing games with some of the Japanese people. Most of them did not know the Lord, but we could share. The, and I love this picture of, of the joy uh, that is so evident on the faces of Sister Joni and, and Caleb. And, and even Christy was there. Christy Sopolis came as, as well as Christy again on that picture. The joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Aren't we rich in Jesus? Jesus Christ emptied Himself and took on human flesh. And 2 Corinthians and chapter number 8 and verse number 9 speaks about our Savior Jesus Christ and His grace. That though He was rich, Yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be what? Rich! We are rich in Jesus Christ. Know your riches, the riches of salvation and eternal life. And this world can never make us poor. This world cannot take away our riches that we have in Jesus Christ. We have the riches of fellowship with God. So, 
By the way, this other picture, those beautiful little Filipino children in some little village, I, Tagpinasau? I can't remember which one it was. I think that might have been what it, I couldn't remember it until right this second. But we came with the wordless book, and that's what they're holding up. The children made the wordless book in our Sunday school classes, and the children there in the Philippines, very poor little village that we were in. Actually, this is, this is the whole village. You know, sometimes we would go to these little villages, and the whole village would come. And sharing a meal, we would have a service, and we would sing, and we would preach. The whole village would come. Fifties, sixties, I don't know how many people are in that picture. But we, on some occasions, we'd give out medicine or give out, give out something of value and help to them. And this is our Haiti missions trip. And my, the people of Haiti, after that earthquake, so poor. Materially speaking... I would say every one of those people in Haiti that we met, we, all of us here, individually, were materially rich in comparison to them. As well as the people of the Philippines. For them, even to get a little baggie with five aspirin was a lot, and it was significant and helpful to them, let's say. I mean, we are materially wealthy in comparison to them. But if we know Jesus, and they don't, we're infinitely more wealthy than them. And we need to tell people about Jesus because in Him, we are rich. The second thing I want us to see today is the second lesson here as we seek to bring souls to Jesus is to pray. To, and pray for direction. And one thing this servant is doing all along the way throughout this chapter, he is Praying and he's praising God. And we'll see that. But the first thing I want us to see is his prayer here. In verse number 12. If you look there in Genesis 24, 12. Where the servant goes out. He's got the ten, he's on the ten camel plan. You know, ten camels loaded down with Abraham's material wealth. And then he says, O Lord God, in verse 12, of my master Abraham, I pray thee. Send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master, Abraham. Show your kindness, your mercy, your chesed. There it is again. Show that powerful, loving kindness that is infinite, eternal. Your free love to my master. Show me kindness and lead me to that person that I could bring back to Isaac to be his bride. And he says, good speed. I like that. Oh Lord, send me good speed. That means prosper my way. You have to make it happen. You know, as we go out on our homeless outreach, this is a picture of Anna and behind her some on our homeless. We always pray, of course, before we do any ministry. And many times we pray more than once. Pray and pray and pray. We've got to pray because we're not going out for our sake. We're not going out in our strength. We're not going out to build a name for ourselves. We're going out for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ to bring souls to Him that will be with Him for all eternity. We have to have a burden for this. Pray for direction. Lord, prosper my way to make providential meetings happen. Prosper my way so that I could meet the people that you have prepared for me to talk to. And then we have to believe God is in those providential appointments. So He's saying, make it happen, Lord. Show Your mercy and Your kindness and direct my steps. And you know, prayer is an amazing thing. Because do you know what happens as he prays? God gives him a creative plan right in the midst of his prayer. We didn't know about this plan beforehand. But God gives him, it seems, this plan arising out of his prayer. You know, as you pray in the Spirit, God will give you ideas in your heart to come forth in that prayer. And so he says, now, Lord, when I get to that meeting, when I get to the place where my camels have to drink water after this 500 mile journey or so, and I, and I 
ask this woman for a drink. Who else asked a woman for a drink at a well, you know? Jesus might have taken his, his example as a way to go about getting a conversation going at a well. But nevertheless, and then I ask her to give me a drink. If she offers to feed what? To, to give water to who? To all my camels also. I will know this is the right person. Wow. Now, do you know how much ten camels could drink after a 500-mile journey? Do you know how much they could drink? I don't. <laughs> but it's a lot of water. <laughs> so that would, been, that would have taken a very industrious woman of great character. And so he prays an amazing prayer. And out of his prayer, creative plans rise up out of his heart. They're not wild plans. They're plans that actually will help him fulfill his goal to bring and to find the right bride for Isaac. I have here a little book called The Prayer of Faith by a missionary to China. He went to southwest China. He was a part of the China Inland Mission started by Hudson Taylor. In the early 1900s, his name is James O. Fraser. This is just a little booklet, The Prayer of Faith. And this is what he says in The Prayer of Faith. He says, an earnest desire to save souls is on me. But prayer is rather unstable. I must regain my equilibrium in the prayer life. I must maintain also my abiding in Christ by prayer without ceasing which I am now finding blessedly possible. So he says, as, as I'm abiding in Jesus, I find it possible to be praying without ceasing. Having that communion with the Lord as I'm abiding in Jesus. Amen? And so he realizes in doing his work, he has to pray. And then he says, I do not intend to be one of those who bemoan little results while resting in the faithfulness of God. That's so easy for us to do. Well, we're living in hard days. Nobody wants to hear the Gospel anymore. We're here in this liberal city. People really don't want to know about Jesus. And so we're just going to be faithful though and not see any fruit. No, let's not settle for that. We're called to be fishers of men. And what kind of a fisherman goes out and fishes and fishes and fishes and catches no fish? A frustrated fisherman. A failing fisherman. God's called us to be fishers of men. So Fraser says, I'm not going to bemoan the difficulty of the field and use it as an excuse not to see fruit. I'm going to pray until there's a breakthrough. Sunday, January 16th. You know how many people came to his church? None. Not a single person at service this morning. Did he quit? No, he didn't quit says, here then we see God's way of success in our work. Wherever it may be, a trinity of prayer, faith, and patience. So he exercised prayer and faith and patience. And he continued to pray and continued to pray until there were more than a thousand people who came to Jesus Christ. Hundreds. He prayed for hundreds of families. And God gave him hundreds of families, souls, who he brought to Jesus. He said, solid, lasting missionary work. Is done on our knees. We need to pray. We need to pray, Lord, open up opportunities. Lead me to those individuals that You've prepared for me. Whether we go on mission trips or whether we pass out tracts here. Pray for God in those providential appointments. Direct my steps, O Lord. Show me the way that You'd have me to go. And then we keep asking and seeking and knocking and the Lord will do it. He will open the door. And we need to believe, as this verse says in Mark chapter 11. Can we read it together? It says, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And you know what Frazier said about that verse? He said, what we must believe about prayer is that when we pray, believe that God has already answered that prayer. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. In God's heart and mind, being eternal, dwelling outside of time, 
that prayer's already answered. Believe that you receive them. And then wait on God for how He works out the answer to that prayer in the future. But when we pray, believe that God answers that prayer in the moment and then works it out in the days ahead. Sometimes He doesn't even need that long. Because even as the servant is praying, even as he was praying, even before he was done speaking, maybe he was praying with half an eye open, and he hears some, he hears some movement around him, and he opens up his eyes before he's even done speaking. Woo! Who does he see? He sees Rebecca. God answers prayer. Amen? Lord, direct my steps. Lord, make it happen. Lord, show your mercy. So he has this encounter, of course, with Rebecca. It turns out that she's of the same family as Abraham. So this was the person he went 500 miles to see. God just put them together just like that. Do you know, I really believe this, that when I'm standing there on Tuesday afternoons, in our track ministry, and somebody walks by me, that that person is providentially placed there. Because there's 10 million people or so that, that could have walked by me, but that was that person. So if they take the track or not, I, I try to pray for them. And I look at them. And I try to just get their burden, get a burden for them. And they take the track. We, of course, pray that they read it and hear the Word of God. But then when God answers those prayers, we need to praise Him. Praise Him all along the way. That's what the servant does after he has this conversation with Rebecca. She says, yes, come to my house. We'll prepare. We have, we have a place for you to stay. And so, while he's still speaking to her, he bows down and worships the Lord. Verse 26. See that? He bows down and he worships the Lord. He's praising God for how the Lord is working things out for him to bring a bride home. So even before it's fully worked out, he's still praising God for the progress. And that's what we need to do in life. Sometimes we have a goal set, and maybe we haven't fully realized the seeing of that goal accomplished, but what we do is we set up incremental steps along the way so that we can see we're making progress and praise God all along the way in life. Praise Him. Praise Him for He is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. Praise Him for He's the Savior of all men. So, this servant worships God for the progress made. What a blessing to go to other nations and praise God. And you realize, they praise God just the way we do. Whether you're on a mountaintop. We were on some mountain in the top of the Philippines where there was... I mean, they had no electricity up there. I mean, it was unbelievably simple. But yet the people praise God. Or whether we were in Japan, a very spiritually cold place. What a blessing it was to bring the praise of our Savior to Japan. And I'll never forget when Edgar played his guitar there at one of our events that we had. And the joy of the Lord that Edgar demonstrated that night was such an encouragement. But he praises God. And then he says in verse 27, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham who hath not left destitute. Destitute is a word that means, it's literally translated forsaken. Remember Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But here, it's used in the sense of, you have not left destitute. My master of, of his mercy and his truth. My master is going to see the fruit of the children that will come forth, Isaac and Rebecca, you're going to you're going to fulfill your promise that that the seed of Abraham and then from Abraham to Isaac will be like the stars of the sky in multitude. You have not left my master destitute, empty of fruit, but you've shown his mercy and truth. And then I love what the 
what he just says here. He says, I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's bride. He's like incredulous. He's, he's just overcome with, with joy. And he's like, I can't believe things are working out this way. I just got in the way. <laughs> I being in the way. You know how to bring souls to Jesus? Get in the way. Start going and get in the way. And God will use you. I heard a sermon years ago when I was in Bible college on this verse. I being in the way, the Lord led me. The sermon was given by a man named Rich Kearns. You don't know Rich Kearns. But he's important in my life because I was there that night to hear him. He had a ministry that doesn't even exist any longer. It was called Forever Generation. But Rich Kern started, watch this, he started the college campus ministry that brought the gospel to me in Clemson. God used Rich Kearns. He got in the way and started a ministry through which God saved me. And I was also at that time going to Clemson on outreach ministry. I was trying to get in the way, you know. So I was listening to this brother preaching about, I being in the way, the Lord led me. And I remember saying that night, Lord, help me just to keep in the way. Stay in the way. Get in your way, God, so that you have no choice but to use me. I was at an event. We had a sweet Haitian man in our church. I was a pastor in Brooklyn at City View Baptist Church. And... The, the dear brother, his name was Joe Lacroix. Joe Lacroix was a member of our church. He had a ministry in Haiti. And he knew a lot of different people. And he organized a, a gathering to try to raise money to go to Haiti and to help the poor people of Haiti and so forth. So since he was a member of our church, we were there and we were singing some songs. And after that service, a man came up to me, a little, little man. And, and, you know, this was in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Quite frankly, I was pretty much the only white person there except this other brother. His name was John Crabb. And I'm talking to John Crabb. I met him. I don't know how he got there. I don't really know how he he knew Joe Lacroix or anything. But there he was. There I was. And then I started to tell him a little bit of my story. And I told him, yeah, I, I was saved through this forever generation that was started by Rich Kearns. And his jaw dropped. And he looked at me and he said grandson. I was like, what? Grandson. You're my grandson, he said. Because it was God who used John Crabb to lead Rich Kearns to the Lord. John Crabb just got in the way and gave the Gospel to Rich Kearns. And Rich Kearns just got in the way and gave the Gospel to me. And I said, Lord, let me just get in the way and give the Gospel to our city so that souls can come to Jesus. I'm a little sad. Little, because Pastor Crabb is with the Lord now. Just found that out with Pastor Carmine. Pastor Carmine, I think he adopted you as his great-grandson or something, right? He was an amazing man. His heart was like as big as New York City. His heart was so big. It would just embrace you. But he was such a, an amazing piano player too. Wow, he could play the piano. You, you would be amazed. He was a pastor for many years. Did a lot of mission trips. His wife passed away and he lived the rest of his life single. Went to be with the Lord in April of last year during the COVID. But thank God for people like John Crabb who just praise God, who live a life of praise, getting in the way, being led by the Lord. The fourth thing I want us to see is we need to keep a focus on our goal. So, at this time, while the servant is praising God, look what Rebecca's doing in verse 28. She's running home. And by the time the servant is done praising God and he moves all his ten camels. You know, that takes a while to get ten camels moving. And he finally gets to Rebecca's house. Rebecca's there. She's told her family. And they're expecting the servant to come. They say, yeah, we'll take you in. 
And actually they had prepared a meal for him. And in, in verse number 33, if you read there with me, of Genesis 24, it says, and there was set meat before him to eat. Now wait a minute, the guy just traveled 500 miles. He hadn't had a home-cooked meal for a while, right? And now he is in this home of wealthy people, and they have prepared stew or lamb, delicious broth, and all kinds of fixings that go along with it. And I'm sure that smell just enveloped the house, and his mouth was watering, and they, they have the food there. They put the meat right in front of him. <laughs> Not yet. I'm not here for this. And he said, I will not eat. I will not eat until I have told my errand. And so, the brother Laban, I believe that was Laban, said, go ahead, talk, tell us what's on your mind. The point is, his focus was on his goal. He would not eat until he tells his purpose of coming. And this takes self-control. This is a fruit of the Spirit. The King James word is temperance. Temperance. And Peter tells us we need to add temperance into our lives. Temperance is self-control, but it's not self-control through ourselves. It's a self-control because we have, as Pastor Carmine broke down in our memory verse today, we have who? The Holy Spirit. We can only be truly self-controlled as we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But we need to maintain our focus to keep from all the distractions of this world. We need to focus on our goal while we're here. Because our calling is ultimately to tell the message of our Master. We're not here to eat delicious meals, buy beautiful homes, have great jobs, get awesome education. We can do all that. But if you're in a school getting an awesome education, remember, you're there first of all to tell people about Jesus. You might have a great job and you make good money. Praise God for that. But God put you in that job to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You might have a beautiful home. You might live in a shack. But wherever God has put you, He's put neighbors around you as well. To be a witness. To bring souls to Jesus. That's our message. And I'm distracted. Playoffs are today. Football. Basketball. You're distracted. Social media. TikTok. Facebook. Let me see how many likes I got on that post. As if likes are going to satisfy your soul. What's your distraction? Food? We're distracted. We've got a lot of other things to do that are good things. No doubt. I understand. We all have a lot of things. We are a busy... New York, man, we're a busy people. That's probably one of our biggest problems is we're just maxed out. And praise God, you, you found time to come to church. Praise God. But I just want to encourage you. Whatever work you do as a Christian, you're going to meet people that maybe you're the only one will tell them about Jesus. Don't think the pastor's going to do it or the deacon. They, they're never going to meet that person. You're the evangelist. Right? Am I right? You're going to meet people along your life way. That you're going to be the, the main messenger of the gospel in their life. And that's what we're here to do because what is our life? It is a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. And every person will live somewhere forever. So let's not get distracted. There's a lot of things to distract us. Politics, pandemics, masks, vaccines. I could talk about all that stuff until the cows come home. But it's not going to change very much. We need to pray. And we need to remember our goal is to bring souls to Jesus. Now then, I want us to go to this next point. And that is, we need to press people to make a decision. We need to press people to make an immediate decision for Jesus Christ. So, basically, the servant goes through and tells everything that happened. Oh, by the way, 
You know what, you know what he does? I, I, I forgot to say something actually important as you focus on your goal. You know what the servant does? He, he shares everything that's happened. And this is really, if you, if you look in, at our notes and go from verse 29 to 48, this is the longest section of this chapter. And basically, he reviews everything that's already happened. So we don't need to read that whole thing. But what I find very interesting is he told Laban and he told Bethuel, that's the father of Rebekah, he told them about his prayer. And he said, I prayed this, and then it happened just the way I prayed. And they couldn't argue against that. In other words, so what did the servant do to really, if you will, convince this family that Isaac was to be the groom for Rebekah and she was to, to be the bride? He shared a testimony of the miracle power of God. So share your testimony. With others. And that's what he does down in verse uh, like 40, 42, especially. He says, I came this day to the well and I said, Oh Lord God of my master, if it is now, if now thou do prosper the way which I go, behold, I stand by the well. He's telling them his prayer. He said, He's saying, This is what I prayed at the well. This is what I was praying. And then he says, before I was even done praying, here comes Rebecca. And it was like God answered the prayer right there. They couldn't argue against it. You see what I'm saying? So share the works of God. What did Dr. Ola do at Northland during chapel? They had a testimony time. They called it what? The the works of God? Am I right, Adrian? Yeah, yeah. And in other words, share the works of God in your life. I remember going to Northland and speaking in chapel and students would stand up and say, this is what God did in my life. These are the works of God in my life. Nobody can argue against it, beloved. So share the miracle power of God answering prayer and working in your life. And then I say press for an immediate decision. So he gets to the end of this. And you know what they say? They say... Wow, this is the Lord's work. We can't, we can't argue against this. And in Genesis 24, and down in verse number 49, he says now, now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Now, do you see what he's doing here? He's saying to Laban and to Bethuel and the family, he's saying, I need to know what you want to do right now. If you will give Rebekah to Isaac, tell me yes. And if you don't want to give Rebekah to Isaac, tell me what? Tell me no. Tell me yes or tell me no. Say it with me. Tell me yes or tell me no. That's what he says to the family. And he pressed them to decide right there. He didn't say, I'll be back in a week. <laughs> he said, tell me because if it's yes, we're, we're out of here. If it's no, I'm going to look for somebody else. That's it, right? So I want to encourage those of us who are not saved here today. Now, you know your heart. If you were to die today, are you sure you're on your way to heaven through the work of Jesus Christ? Not that you go to heaven because I've tried to keep the Ten Commandments. No. Not that I will go to heaven because I came to, I'm coming to church. No. But you have come to the place where you have repented of your sin and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You realize you're a sinner. And the penalty of your sin is death. And we deserve death in this life because of our sin. But that's why Jesus came, right? He came to die on the cross in our place for our sins. I used to think I was a pretty good person. And I thought Jesus was pretty good too. 
And then I realized I wasn't pretty good. I was a wicked, hell-bound sinner. And then I understood why Jesus in His perfection took my sins on the cross. He died for me. He took the death that I deserve. And then He rose again, breaking the power of sin. And I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and came to the place in my life where I knew I was on my way to heaven through Jesus Christ. So my question to you is, If you were to die today, are you sure you'd go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did for you? Now tell me yes or tell me no. Are you sure you're going to go to heaven? Tell me yes or tell me no. Now, if you answered no, you say, I'm not sure. I appreciate your honesty in your heart. You say, I don't know. Okay, thank you for being honest in your own heart. If you're not sure, will you call on Jesus Christ today and be saved? Will you trust what Jesus did for you on the cross to save you? And stop trusting yourself. Don't trust the church. Don't trust religion. Don't trust your rituals. Salvation is not through ceremonies, baptism, mass, Lord's Supper, whatever you call it. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. He that has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God has not life. Salvation isn't in a denomination and isn't in a church. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. So I ask you today, will you call on Jesus today if you're not sure? Tell me yes or tell me no. I press you today. Will you respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ to come to Him for eternal life so that you will never perish? Tell me yes or tell me no. I ask you, why will you die for your sins when someone so glorious already died for them? If you say no, I'm not going to come to Christ today even though I'm not sure of salvation. I'm not going to come to Christ, Pastor. And matter of fact, Pastor, I think you're pressuring me too much. I would just say this then. Get a piece of paper out right now and write this down. If you say, no, I'm not going to call on Jesus, I am lost. I am lost. And let that startle you. Because if you don't have Jesus Christ right now as your Savior, you are lost. And you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, Pastor, that's really putting pressure on me. I cannot decide so suddenly. But let me ask you, do you believe Jesus is the way? Oh, yes, I do, you may think. Yes, He's the way. Then why are you so adamant to stay on your way? (laughs) Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. Do you believe Jesus is truth? Oh, yes, Pastor. If He's truth, why are you holding on to your lies? Why not trust Him who is the truth? Jesus is not only the way and the truth, but He's the who. He's life. Do you believe Jesus is life? Do you believe He's the resurrection? Do you really believe in your heart He rose again from the dead? He is life. You say, oh, yes, I believe that. Well, then why will you hold on to your way of death? Because without Jesus, you're dead spiritually and you'll die and go to hell. How much time do you need to continue in your way of lies and death when you can have Jesus right now? You say, well, I have questions. I have questions before I can really... Become a Christian. I have questions. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Right through that door after the service. We will answer your questions. Micah, myself, Pastor Carmine, one of our deacons. We're going to go right through that door. We're going to have a lot of people to answer all your questions. We love to talk about Jesus. Amen? We want to answer your questions. We invite your questions. But the fact is, 
you might not have any more time left. And you need to be saved today. And that leads me to my last point. Refuse the danger of delay. So he presses them for a decision. And then they said, I hope is what you'll say today. This thing proceeds from the Lord. You know, and and the message of the gospel is from the Lord. I didn't invent the gospel. The, The gospel is from the Lord. The gospel is the good news that Jesus says, right? That He, according to the Scripture, He died for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried and He rose again on the third day. And and then he, He was seen of many. He was seen of so many it could be proven in any court of law that He's alive. This proceeds from the Lord. And if that's your heart today, then don't delay. Refuse the danger of delay. So here's what Laban... Laban is the master of delay. Later on, he's going to meet up with Jacob. How long does he delay Jacob? Like 20 years, okay? So that's who the servant is dealing with. Somehow Laban is kind of ruling the family here, it seems. Key decision maker as brother. But the brother and the mother. I don't know where Bethuel is, but it's the mother there too. Look at verse number 55. And the brother and and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days... And I, this is funny. This is like hilarious almost. But it's sad. At least ten. And after that, she shall go. Now let me ask you. How many days is at least ten? At least ten. But then how many days is it? No, it says at least ten. At least ten. It doesn't mean on the tenth day we go. It's at least. It could be ten weeks. That 10 days could extend to 10 months. That 10 days could extend for years, like, you know, kind of like about 14 days to stop the spread. That's the longest 14 days I've ever lived. Okay. About 10 days. About, just stay about 10 days. And then we'll see. Delay. You know what the devil does? Because the devil is the master of delay. The devil says, Oh, you're too young to become a Christian. If you become a Christian, you won't have any fun. You, know, you won't be able to do this and do that and go here and go there. You know, the devil's lying to you, making it seem like the world will give you more joy than Jesus. That's a lie for one. And number two... The devil's a liar because nobody knows how much time we have. So the devil says when you, he says when you're young, oh, you're too young. Experience the pleasures of the world. And then when you get old, huh, when you get old, the devil says, you're too old to change. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. You're too, you've done so many sins by the time you're old. <laughs> yeah, without Jesus, man, you think of all the sins. And the devil just pours that guilt on. You're too old. You've done so many things. God can't forgive you. Just give up. You're too old. Beloved, you're never too young to come to Jesus if you understand you're a sinner and He's the Savior. You're never too old to come to Jesus wherever you are today. Come to Jesus Christ. Stop your delay. You know why you don't want to come? You know why ultimately for many is the real problem? They don't want to give up their sin. They think somehow there's going to be, be some kind of satisfaction in their sin that, that Jesus Christ is going to withhold. And that's the lie from the Garden of Eden that God is holding back what you really need to have true knowledge and true, uh, uh, truly experience the things of the world. Beloved, the devil's a liar and the father of lies. He's a murderer. Don't follow him. Trust in Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Now let me ask you a question. Do you feel a whisper in your soul right now that's saying, no, don't do it. Keep on putting this off. You're not ready yet. It's too soon. You're too young or you're too old. Don't don't let this preacher pressure you. Now listen, if you feel that whisper in your soul to keep you from Jesus, that's not of God. Now, if you have questions and you need to answer those questions, we'll answer them. We'll try our best. 
But if you hear the Lord say to you today, today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. That's the Word of God. The Bible says, today don't harden your heart. This day, the, you know the best day to become saved if you're not saved? Today. We want you, if you're, if you're here without Jesus, everyone who's here today saved will just rejoice so much. The angels of heaven will rejoice. I read the story of a pastor. He urged those who were not making a decision for Christ to go home and do really what I asked you to do, to write down on a paper, I am saved or I am lost. Write it down. Where, what are, where do you stand? And then sign your name to it. One man, when he got home, he was so angry at the message. He says, I'm not going to listen to what that preacher told me. And he told his wife when he got home, get me a piece of paper because I'm lost. And so she got him a piece of paper and he began to write down, I am, and he wrote the L. And he wrote the L down and his little daughter jumped up on his lap. And she started to cry. And the tears went down on the paper and upon his hand. And what the message of that pastor had failed to do that day, the tears of his daughter accomplished. And he called upon the Lord right there with his daughter weeping on his knee. And then he wrote, he took that piece of paper and he crossed out the L and he said, I am saved. Are you saved today? We want to bring your soul to Jesus Christ. Don't delay. And that's our goal in this city, beloved, to bring souls to Jesus. So go with your riches. Pray for direction. Praise God along the way. Let's keep focused on the main thing. Let's press for those decisions in love. And let's refuse the danger of delay. Let's stand together as I pray, please. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and begin to play our song of invitation, I Surrender All. Thank you for your attention today and for your hearing of this message. I am really burdened today that if there's anyone here who's not sure you're saved, that today you would be, become a child of God, that you will call upon the Lord. How many would say, Pastor Matt, I walked in here today and I was lost. But I don't want to be lost anymore. I want to be saved. And I'm willing today to call on the Lord to save me from sin and eternal death and hell. Please pray for me, Pastor. And I'm, I'm going to ask those of you who want to be saved, and when you put up your hand, just put up your hand and I'm going to pray for you. But then just step forward to, to come to me. And then we'll have you go through that door and talk to somebody about, somebody about the Lord. Get your questions answered and cry out to, to the Lord for His mercy and salvation. So that's what I'm going to ask. If there's anyone here today who'd say, Pastor, I walked in this door today lost, but I want to be saved. Pray for me, Pastor. Can I see your hand? Just put it up high. Put it up high and don't be ashamed. Is there anyone at all? I need to be saved. And I'm not going to delay. I'm not going to put off this decision. I'm going to cry out to the Lord today. Today is the day of salvation. How many would say, Pastor Matt, Pray for me that God would use me to bring souls to Jesus. And that's your burden. That's your heart cry. Lord, help me to be a witness of your saving grace. Can I see your hand? Child of God, oh Christian. Hands, just put your hand up and then just pray. Pray for somebody that you know. Pray for that brother, that sister, that mother, that aunt or uncle, that co-worker, your neighbor. Just pray for the people around you. Lord, 
Salvation is a miracle. It takes your miracle of grace, of regeneration, of your Holy Spirit. Do your work, Lord. Thank you that in Jesus Christ we're rich. So we go with your riches, Lord. Teach us to keep praying and praising you all along the way. Help us not to get distracted from the truly important things of life, O oh God. You may put your hands down. And then I want to challenge us as the people of God. Maybe you've been witnessing to someone for a while. And I'm not saying to be arrogant or belligerent in any way, but press people for a decision. Maybe you've been witnessing to someone for a while and you need to really press them and ask, are you saved or lost? Is it yes or is it no? Or however you would like to say it, but press them for a decision and warn them about the danger of delay because every time they say wait, they may as well have said no. So again I say, if there's anyone here today not saved, maybe you have, and I'm sure you would have some important questions, let us talk to you immediately after the service, right through those doors, and we'd like to speak to you of these important questions with your eternity at stake. We love you. We want you to know our friend, Jesus. Father, please work now. May we surrender all to this task in Jesus' name. Amen.